0: We'll hear argument next in Case 085274,
1: Dean versus United States. Mr. Forster. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The issue before the Court in this case is whether the discharge provision of 924C carries with it some requirement of intent. We believe that the answer to this question is yes. And to that end, we will cite to the, legis- to the text of the statute itself, as well as the history involved, the presumption of mens rea that is inherent in all statutes such as this, that this Court's case law has been clear on, as well as the principle of the rule of lenity, if we get to that point, and if the Court deems that there is some type of ambiguity.
2: Mr. Foster, there are three levels under this, possession, brandishing, and if the gun is discharged. You, you don't quarrel with the notion that Dean at least brandished this gun.
1: We, we do not dispute that, Your Honor. No, he clearly <coughs> intentionally brandished the
2: weapon. So we're talking about the three-year difference between brandishing and if the gun is discharged.
1: Yes, Your Honor. That, that's exactly right. And the statute in 924 requires that the use of the firearm be during and in relation to the underlying crime of violence, in which in this case is a bank robbery. And we believe that the proper reading of the statute would require that the discharge also be done during and in relation to the underlying crime of violence. Otherwise, the statute simply would not make any sense.
0: I think one of the stronger arguments against you is the use of the passive voice. It doesn't say anybody who discharges a firearm. It says a firearm is discharged. And that seems to me to take it away from the element of intent that you're trying to focus on.
1: Your Honor, I think that it's a transitive verb the way it's used. By definition, would have some object. Someone would have had to have discharged the weapon. And so I think that the court cases on mens rea and so forth would continue to apply, even given the way that, the, that it's phrased in the statute. I don't think So you think it's different — I don't remember the grammar too well. You think
0: if firearm is discharged is different than firearm discharges?
1: Is that your point? I'm not sure it would make a difference in this case, Your Honor, because I don't think there's any I, — I think that, by definition, the Court would have to ask itself who discharged the weapon. I don't think you can just use the word discharge in a vacuum. It has to be during — Well, I'm New not Lake. sure that's
0: right. I mean, if, if in fact, the, uh, the bank robber uh, tries to flee and the security guard is forced uh, to use his firearm — increasing the danger to everybody else in the bank. I'm not sure the statute wouldn't cover that as well.
1: Your Honor, I don't believe the statute would, because the individual who would be charged with it would not himself had during or, or and in relation to the underlying crime of violence.
2: But it doesn't say, it says if the gun is discharged, and I think on the government's reading, it would cover the police officer who's trying to apprehend the robber and fires a gun.
1: Yes, your honor. I think under the government's theory that would be true, but I think that would open up. Wait, excuse me. What?
3: what uh, I'm, I guess I'm not following. You it, it would be true that if the blank, if the bank guard fires his own gun mm. when when the bank robber is fleeing, that would come within this. No, Justice Scalia. Not under our rating. I know. You say under the government, it would. I don't think it would under the government either. Do you? you?
4: You have to use or carry the firearm before it, before section two even applies.
2: But it's the police officer who snatches the gun.
3: Oh, that's different. Yeah, that's, that's different. So
2: it's using the robber's gun, but by the police officer oh. who is apprehending him. In other words, as I understand the government's view, it doesn't matter whether it's the police officer it has to be the gun of the robber but doesn't matter whether it's the robber or the police officer who discharges it
3: that's true ma'am and i guess it's also the government's view this is even weirder that uh it doesn't matter who brandishes the gun so so that
2: the the uh uh, bank the bank
3: guard grabs the gun and brandishes the gun and that also uh, uh, gets additional uh time served for the uh for the bank doesn't seem fair
1: Your Honor, I don't believe that the the hypothetical of the guard waving the gun around—I don't think that would meet the definition of brandish the way 924 defines it.
2: Yes, it has its it's very specific. What what are the words that define what is brandish?
1: Justice Ginsburg, brandish is defined under the statute a couple of different ways. The, The dictionary definition of brandish, which is to grab something and wave it around, is certainly. Contained in that. But the definition goes further. The definition also says that if, if I, for example, make known that I have a gun, if I pass a note saying I have a gun, that would also be brandished under I the d- I
2: didn't think the government or anybody was reading the definition of brandishing to include the police officer.
1: The way the government's well, with regards to brandish, your honor, I don't know that the government goes that far. Well, it, it,
4: they'd run into the problem, which is also a different problem for you, and that is the brandishing must be for the purposes of for the purpose of intimidating.
2: Right.
4: So that's probably going to eliminate the case in which the officer grabs the the felon's gun. <clears throat> but the problem that it seems to me that it creates for you is uh, that brandish is specifically defined to have that particular intentional element. There is, however, no definition uh, of the the term in question here uh, which suggests that they did not have uh, any uh, of discharge, that they did not have any, uh, uh, any intent to impose an intent requirement. When they do it, they know how to do it. In this
1: case, they didn't do it. Your Honor, I would disagree with that simply for this reason. This Court's case law is clear that if Congress wants to do away with the mens rea element, they must affirmatively do so. And I don't think that it's pro- proper to say that because there's a specific definition of brandish, therefore they meant discharge to be basically why, it, why is it
4: improper? I mean, it may not be conclusive, but it seems to me
1: evidence that points in that direction. Your Honor, I think that that would be disregarding the presumption of mens rea that exists pursuant to this Court's case law, as well as the requirement yeah, but we we
4: have, we have lots of cases in which uh, it makes sense to disregard that presumption, and, and nobody thinks twice about it. I mean, accomplice liability being uh, an, an example. There, there, are, there are lots of state crimes uh, in, in which it is dispensed with reckless driving, death resulting. And in all of those cases, what in effect uh, the rationale is that the that the individual who is being charged uh, has created a risk no one can control that risk including himself but he bears the responsibility for if you will bad luck if the risk is realized and that is the rationale for for holding uh, him liable for a discharge here without any particular knowing or in or or intentional act in making the discharge. So why doesn't that make sense, and why is that not an answer to the usual presumption that there will be a specific state of mind uh, required?
1: Your Honor, I don't think this statute is driven by consequence. And and as I understand Your Honor's hypothetical, Why? why? BECAUSE THE WORDS THAT THE STATUTE USES ARE DIRECTLY FOCUSED TO THE TO THE CONDUCT OF THE DEFENDANT, POSSESS, USE, BRANDISH, DISCHARGE, AS OPPOSED TO, FOR well, EXAMPLE, THE well, CAR his CONDUCT. I MEAN, IT ISN'T JUST BAD LUCK. It's,
3: WHAT WE HAVE HERE IS A NEGLIGENT BANK ROBBER. I MEAN, HE HAS LEFT THE SAFETY uh, OFF, OKAY, and, and, AND TRIPS THE GUN. I mean, bank robbing is bad enough, but negligent bank robbing is something is, is something that should be punished more severely.
1: Your Honor, certainly under the statute, the Court had far more authority than, than the 10 years it imposed. And I think Congress is clear that they, they allowed for substantially larger sentences in such a case. This case, obviously, just discusses the application of the mandatory minimum. Your
0: Your argument would give rise to very serious problems of proof. Every time a gun goes off, the bank robber would be able to say it was an accident. Uh, I mean, we had a particularly klutzy robber here. That everybody agrees it was an accident. But, you know, in many cases, it won't be clear. Yes, I was pointing the gun at the person, but I didn't mean to fire it. It just went off, and he's sad about it just as everyone else is, and that would get to the jury in every case. Um, uh, Just because it was easy here doesn't mean it's going to be easy every time to draw a line, and it gets back to Justice Souter's point. If you pose the risk that the gun is going to go off, that's additionally uh, punishable
1: conduct. Your Honor, obviously, I mean, the risk certainly does go up. But as I, as, I, as I think the statute is written, it's not driven by what the risk is. As I say, as opposed to... Well, that's to, not my question, really. It, the I, question is the the
0: problem of proof. Uh, yours is an easy case. Most cases, it's not going to be. Most cases, when the gun goes off, the robber will be able to say, I didn't intend that it uh, discharged. It was, uh, it was an accident.
1: Your Honor, I don't believe a jury would be... F- would make that decision because, under this court's authority in Harris, that would be for the judge. And, and obviously, criminals would make these claims. And it would be an Excuse
3: issue. me, that would be for, for the judge?
1: Under this court's authority in Harris, Your Honor, brandish and discharge are not elements of the offense that must be indicted and proved to a jury. They are sentencing elements, or enhancements, if you will, that, that would be up to the judge. And that's this court's Harris ruling. And doesn't that undermine your argument that, you, that there's a presumption that a mens rea has to apply since this is just a sentencing element? Your Honor, I don't believe so. This court has never said that merely because it is a sentencing enhancement rather than an element of the offense, that somehow the statutory rules of construction cease to apply.
2: Isn't it part of the background here that it was proposed at the time, these? enhancements came into the law was proposed, that there be a specific state of mind requirement for the discharge of the gun. And that was not adopted. I
1: didn't hear the I'm sorry. I
2: thought that part of the legislative history was that there were proposals. I mean, there's a rather sharp difference between possess. Yes, you have to have uh, a knowledge intent element, brandishing very clear for purposes of intimidation, then discharge has no, it's just that the gun is discharged, weren't there proposals to include something like what was included for the other two, that is, that there be an intent requirement?
1: Your Honor, there were various drafts in the House and the Senate that that specifically provided the intent requirement. The compromise that came out was basically a disagreement over the penalties. And the language that the Congress used during and in relation to necessarily implies some type of an intent element. Um, I think the circuits are clear on that. It has to be knowing, otherwise it's not during and in relation to and so I believe that the choice of language that Congress uses, there has to be the connection, we believe, between the use during and relation to and the discharge. Otherwise, the statute makes no sense because it wouldn't be triggered by anything. Why? why? I, can't,
5: I can't get anywhere with the language, to tell you the truth. Because I could read it either way. It, the House language is the same. The person discharges, yeah, but what if he discharges it accidentally? Is the accidental case or unintended case meant to be covered or not meant to be covered? We don't. Can you get me anywhere? I, mean, I, I just can't get anywhere with the language. The reason they put the "is discharged" is probably for parallelism. It was a drafting section in the Senate, and they do their job in a, a stylistic way. I, I found nothing that suggests anything other than that. So, so, where am I? Sometimes a person who discharges the weapon accidentally is really much worse than the one who does it purposely purposely he shoots at the ceiling accidentally he kills a person dead okay so i mean uh, i can 't get too far with that so 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 where I, so there we are is there anything else you there is the proof problem with the chief justice mentioned Is there anything else you can say to me who really doesn 't see it one way or the other way in this statute I Honor- would say look uh, and this is why you win.
1: Your Honor, in the Committee reports and so forth, I think it's pretty clear that they did not intend an unintentional — or an accidental discharge to be covered.
5: Why, why do you think that? I mean, it is absolutely true that a person who is a bank robber and has a gun and has already shown it and it goes off accidentally uh, is, has caused a tremendous harm in certain cases. <coughs> traditionally has been thought meriting a higher sentence. <coughs> and it is also true that he doesn't have the same state of mind that the one who does it purposely. That's true, too. Both are true. And so now, what should I do? I know what you want me to do, but why?
1: In honor, the requirement, we think, is <coughs> that the discharge, again, must be in, during and in relation to. There has to be that connection. And... It's during the bank robbery. And it's in
5: relation to the gun. I mean, you know, it's In a sense, it is. In a sense, it isn't. Same problem.
1: I don't think this case, this court's case law would support a finding that an accidental use would have been in relation to. That's this court's ruling in Smith.
2: Well, there's accidents and accidents. And couldn't one say, looking at this, that, well, we will, the state of mind, that, uh, the culpability that we will attribute to the statute is reckless. If if recklessness were the requirement, certainly the facts of this case would fit, would they not?
1: I think that the evidence would suggest that he was reckless, but I, mean, I don't got, believe that it was knowing. And I and then I so think you that's, say
2: reckless is not enough, it has to be knowing. So it's not mere accident, it's I mean, this, the gun was loaded, it wasn't locked, and he's raking in money with one hand, holding the other gun with the other. The teller is crouching down. I mean, there was, there was a pretty substantial risk of something going wrong, right?
1: Absolutely, there was. But I think this Court's authority of Smith talks about the, 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 the intent element that is inherent in this. It has to be purposeful. It, has, it cannot be by accident. And that's what well, this why approach, you, you, you,
3: you place a lot of reliance on this uh, during and in relation to any, cr- any crime of violence or drug trafficking crime. But that's, that's in the prologue, and it applies only to the matter covered in the prologue to wit, during and in relation to any crime of violence or drug trafficking crime for which the person may be prosecuted in a court of the United States uses or carries a firearm or in furtherance of any such crime possesses a firearm that's that's what all that language during in relation to applies to and then it continues shall if that in relation to existed in addition to the punishment provided for such crime uh One, be sentenced to a term of imprisonment of not less than five. Two, and and number three, what we're dealing with here, if the firearm is discharged, be sentenced to a term of imprisonment of not less than 10 years. I don't see how that language uh, during and in relation to any crime of violence applies to anything except the use or carrying of a firearm.
1: Justice Scalia, sir, we believe that the, pro- or that the better reading would be some connection between those two, between the discharge and the underlying well, during in relation. Why is that? How could
3: you, how could you make the, the lack of connection any clearer than by ending the first the introduction with a dash and then putting one, two, and three? I mean, it seems to me that, that it applies to the portion before the dash.
1: Your Honor, if that, were the, if that were the interpretation, then it would lead to what we consider to be some of the absurdities as far as the results go. If there's no connection between during in relation to, as, as I will refer to it as the connection, in absence of that connection, any number of different things could occur, and that connection is what makes the statute make sense. And I, and I believe that the government basically acknowledges that in their brief, that there has to be, if there's not some connection, I think it's page 29 of the government's brief, that when we discussed the absurd results that might flow from a statute where there is no such connection, what the government says, and I believe it's on page 29, is that to avoid these absurd results, this connection does exist. But then the next sentence they say, but it doesn't mean there is a mens rea. And it seems to me that what the government wants in that case is the during in relation to has to apply to discharge to avoid the absurd results, but yet they don't want Smith to go along with it. And Smith said that during in relation to is purposeful, has to have an effect, and it can't be done by accident. How would
3: would, uh, a discharge not be during and and in relation to? Give me an example of, of, of what you're worried about
1: any discharge any other time. He sees a duck fly by the window when he's under.
3: Excuse me. That's not covered. I mean, number three only applies to someone who's already been guilty of what's set forth in the prologue.
1: That's the connection that we believe is. And that's the only connection that's
3: necessary. You have to have done what was set forth in the prologue, and it it has to be in the course of doing that. But the course of doing that means just in the course of using a firearm in connection with the bank robbery.
1: Your Honor, I don't think that's the the best way to read it. I think it has to be during and in relation to the bank robbery.
2: The, the use or carry certainly has to be in relation, during and in relation to. But that's step one. So he already is using and carrying or carrying in relation to the bank robbery and then so that's the starting premise that excludes all your things about years before or years after he carried he fired a gun it you, you step one narrows it to the person who uses or carries a gun in connection with the bank robbery
1: and and i would agree with that and then when you take this court's authority and smith to say that that type used during and in relation to cannot be accidental. And so I go back to the original question Your Honor asked me, did he intentionally brandish it, clearly. And so we believe that if, if this case we are here about is fit into Smith, he's on the hook for the seven years under brandish. But because the discharge was accidental, it cannot constitute use under this Court's authority of Smith. Let me ask you a question about that. I thought the or possesses was a
6: separate from the uses or carries. Is possession an example of using or carrying, or is that as it says, or who in further such kind possesses? Isn't that a separate
1: separate, uh, 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 enhancement? I don't know that I would use the word enhancement, Your Honor. The the principal body of 924 carries with it, uses, as in this case, as well as later on in the statute possesses, so it, it says both. But merely
6: possessing is enough to get the first enhancement of five years.
1: If it is, is burglary
6: or relation to, if it uses in, or carries, doesn't doesn't necessarily apply to the possession.
1: They're, they're, I believe under the reading of the statute, your honor, they they're separate. He could have been charged, arguably, with possession right. and furtherance of, but he wasn't. He was charged with using during and in relation to the underlying crime of violence.
3: Why, why do we have to find that the phrase, if the firearm is brandished, and the later phrase, if the firearm is discharged, uh, requires intentional brandishing and intentional discharging? Why, why can't we limit it by saying, Oh, of course it means if the firearm is brandished by the robber or by, by the felon or if it's discharged by the felon, but leaving it quite uh, uh, undetermined whether it has to be intentionally discharged or even intentionally brandished for that. Well, uh, the, the definition of brandishing, I guess, requires some intent to put another person in fear.
1: Your Honor, I think the you would then have to turn to this Court's well, — first of all, I think it's the best reading of the statute. It doesn't make sense any other way to say that you can have the gun discharged but not be during in relation to the underlying crime of violence. It doesn't make sense. Second, I believe that this Court's statutory rules of construction would say that if Congress wanted to do away with the mens rea element in this case, they would have had to have done so expressly. And we don't believe that they did. Now, every circuit that has discussed the requirement of during and in relation to has found a knowledge requirement that you can't not know the gun is there, for example. There has to be the knowledge requirement, and that this Court's authority in Smith suggests or says clearly that it cannot be used accidentally. So now the question becomes this. If the Court decides that the, that the discharge must be during and in relation to and when the court does that, it takes its own authority in Smith to say that it has to be purposeful; it has to have the effect of, of, of the commission of the crime. Now, is would the use in this case be subject to Smith? And Smith was clear that accidental discharge, simply or accidental use rather, it didn't talk about discharge exactly, but that accidental use would never be because. Well, it,
2: you say there's this background principle? That then there has to be a state of mind element. And we can accept that that's a general principle. But here we have a provision that does require a state of mind, specifically requires a state of mind for the possession, for the brandishing, intent to intimidate. But here is this other one that suddenly doesn't. So wouldn't the text of this statute say, no, for the third one, discharging a gun, they didn't mean to have any element, because any element of mens rea, because they had it in number one and two, and three leaves it out.
1: Your Honor, if I, I believe such an interpretation would basically mean that, that silence would be interpreted as a strict liability. That silence with regards to the specific intent requirement would mean that Congress meant that no intent was necessary. And that's simply never what these cases from this Court have held. There's the presumption that Congress operates against, and if they wish to eliminate the mens rea element, they must do so expressly. And we simply do not believe that it, that it happened in this case. Uh, One last point is we believe there's nothing else that Congress would have had to have done to establish a general intent. And if that's true, then I think the very least that could be said about our interpretation is that it would be a reasonable one, in which case lenity principles would then come into play. Mr. Chief Justice, if there's no other questions, I would like to reserve the remainder of my time. Thank you, counsel. Thank you.
0: Maynard.
7: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, by its terms, the sentencing factor in Section 924C1A3 contains no mens rea requirement. Rather, it requires a certain fact to be present in the course of the Section 924C offense, namely that the firearm is discharged.
3: Does it it require that the discharge be during and in relation to the crime? I mean, suppose the bank robber uh you know, he sees among — son of a gun, he sees among the customers the man that ran off with his wife a year ago. And he's, he's just overcome with, with anger, and he, you know, he takes a shot at this, this guy. It's not in relation to the bank robbery. Would, would, would that discharge uh, be covered?
7: As long as the discharge occurs while the 924C offense is going on, yeah. yes, Justice Scalia, it would, so. it would apply. The during in relation to language from the principal paragraph — is part of the offense, but it does not carry down to the separate sentencing factors.
0: What about uh, the the police come in uh, and say, "Drop it. Uh, it," says, "Oh, my robbery's over." He drops it and it goes off.
7: That case might present a question about whether or not, once he drops it in compliance with the lawful order to do so, he is still committing mm-hmm. the section 924C offense. If the Section 924C offense is deemed to be over at that point, then no, the firearm would not have the — the fact would not have been present while the course of the Section 924C — Right. Was so held? that's
0: the line between is it going but, — but assuming the offense is — the bank robbery is still going on, like he's got Confederates gathering up the money or something, it, 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 does that fall under your theory of that the gun is discharged?
7: I, I — as in, — in our — under our theory, the — there must be a temporal connection between the offense that, for which the defendant is being sentenced, which is the Section 924C offense, the using or carrying the firearm during in relation to the bank robbery in your hypothetical or possessing it in furtherance of the bank robbery in your hypothetical. If one concluded that because the bank robbery continued, even though he was no longer <coughs> using or carrying the firearm or no longer possessing it, that the 924C offense also continued and the firearm discharges when he drops it, then, yes, the firearm is discharged while the section 924C offenses ongoing, and yes, the mandatory minimum would apply. But th- but that hypothetical presents questions about the the beginning and end of the section 924C itself, not questions about whether or not the discharge was intentional or accidental.
3: Do you think that uh, regardless of whether it's uh, intentional or accidental, do you think that he has to discharge it, or that he has to brandish it? It is. It is the passive voice. Does it mean if anybody discharges it or brandishes it?
7: Two At least two points about that, Your Honor. Um, the passive voice makes clear that Congress cared about the fact of a discharge, that Congress was indifferent as to who discharged the weapon, because the is brandished is also um, stated in the passive voice, we think Congress was also indifferent as to who brandished the firearm. Although there is a separate provision giving content to what it means to brandish, and brandish must be done in order to intimidate. So, but if a Confederate, for example,
3: grabs it out of his hand brandishes.
7: and brandishes it in order to intimidate the victims in the bank, then yes, both of them would be subject to the brand, to the brandishing enhancement. And even if one thought that the language in the, in the sentencing factor if the firearm is discharged, applied only to the defendant's conduct, which that's not our position and we think that clearly it clearly encompasses others, um, uh, ordinary liability rules under Pinkerton and aiding and embedding principles would hold a Confederate liable for Or even a
0: police officer. The police officer disarms uh, the robber and uh, ten minutes later uh, mishandles the gun and it goes off.
7: Again, I think that would present questions about whether or not the Section 924C offense was still continuing if the law enforcement officer has the weapon.
0: Well, assuming it is, I mean, he's got the one guy neutralized, but the others are still, you know, under the uh, uh, teller's window, and that isn't over. So then the guy who he's captured already uh, gets an extra three years because the officer mishandled the gun.
7: If the Section 924C offense is 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 ongoing, and if the firearm is discharged, the mandatory minimum sentence applies. One might conclude that if third parties take the weapon and discharge it, and by the way, I, I do believe these are purely hypotheticals. They point to no case where that's actually been the case. But Well,
0: there probably aren't a lot of cases where the bank robbers are such klutzes that they're fumbling with the gun and it goes off either.
7: Um, that's true. There may not be very many uh, accidental discharges, but there's no reason to believe Congress wanted courts to engage in the inquiry about whether or not the defendant accidentally discharged the weapon. If this Court were to her to hold that accident, accidental discharges are not covered by the sentencing factor, I think that we would see more claims of accidental discharge.
0: I interrupted your answer. Um,
7: about the third — if one's concerned about the actions of third parties who are not Confederates in any way taking the weapon — and we do believe it does, under the statute language, need to be the firearm that is the basis of the Section 924C offense and not someone else's firearm. But if — if uh, — in other words, not the security guard's firearm, if the firearm is discharged by third parties causes you concern, one could conclude that that is not the manner in which the defendant committed the offense. Um, And this Court's decision in Harris described this type of sentencing factor, these very sentencing factors, as the kind of factor that one looks at is a fact present in the manner in which the defendant committed the offense. And so one might conclude that if the law enforcement officer disarms the robber and then later discharges the weapon, that that fact of a discharge is not part of the manner in which the defendant committed the offense.
2: We don't think that's compelled thing, by the link. It would be the same you would give the same answer if the teller grabbed the gun from the robber and it went off.
7: If a teller grabs the gun from the from the robber and it discharges, as long as the Section nine twenty four C offense is continuing, then the firearm but is the, discharged.
2: But, but you, your alternate position would apply to the teller as well as the police officer.
7: One could reasonably conclude that if the teller discharges, it isn't a fact in the manner in which the defendant committed the offense. But I do think there's reason to believe Congress may have been concerned about the fact of the discharge by anyone. I mean, what you're talking about is someone who's engaging in inherently dangerous activity, they've brought an armed <laughs> weapon. To commit a crime of violence or a drug trafficking crime, and they've handled it in such a way that either it is discharged. They have we don't a-
3: really have to decide all this stuff, do we? We, we? we just have to decide whether, if he discharges it, the discharge has to be intentional.
7: There's no question here, Your Honor, but that it was the robber that discharged the weapon. And in fact, uh, the petitioner testified that I pulled the trigger when I was switching the gun from one hand to the other.
6: But it's also uncontested that it was accidental, I think.
7: We have not challenged that that it was accidental, but I think
6: it What do you say to your opponent's argument — I don't know if it's right or not — that there's sort of a background rule, that generally we assume when Congress prohibits conduct it means intentional conduct, and normally if they don't mean that, they make it rather clear in the statute. Is that a correct — is his background principle correct?
7: I don't think so, Justice Stevens, with respect to sentencing factors. I think there's no case in which this Court has indicated, and no common law well, What's principle.
6: the difference between a sentencing factor that adds five years to a sentence and an element of the crime? There are a lot of that — read Harris and Apprendy. You know there's that, that there's some debate about whether that really makes all that much difference.
7: Well, in Harris, which was in which this Court was interpreting these very sentencing factors here, the Court no- noted that —
6: let me rephrase the yes. question. If it were an element of the crime, would you then agree with his background rule?
7: No, Your Honor,
6: uh, because if it were an element. Then the fact that the sentence, in fact, an element really isn't significant.
7: I think it might be a harder case for us if it were an element of the crime, but it wouldn't be an element that would be necessary. why would it be a harder case for you? Why would it be a harder case for us? Because if it were were an element of the crime, then it would be an an aggravated offense. And then one could debate whether or not the. But in that
6: situation, would there be a background rule that we normally
7: think Congress intends
6: to punish intentional conduct?
7: I think there's a background rule with respect to the definition of criminal offenses that Congress intends some mens rea.
6: really then are relying upon the difference between an element of the crime and a sentencing factor.
7: Not no urine, or not in this way, because it, it, it would it would be a more difficult case for, case for us. I can see, but the, you would still be talking about somebody who was engaged in wrongful conduct. There would be no danger. I mean, one of the reasons the court assumes a mens rea requirement or reads in a mens rea requirement when one's not there is because of the fear of capturing innocent conduct. But what you would be talking about is someone who has taken a loaded weapon to commit a crime of violence or a drug trafficking crime and used it during in relation to that crime or to possess it in furtherance of that crime and is already guilty. They are engaged and in And it's
0: entirely crime. fortuitous. You have two bank robbers. They both do exactly the same thing. In one case, the gun goes off, and the other, it doesn't. Um, does that does it seem to does it seem fair to add three years onto the sentence uh, of the one whose gun happens to go off but not on the uh, sentence of the one whose doesn't
7: they've both engaged inherently dangerous activity. Yeah, they both did
0: that's my point they both right. did exactly the same thing
7: and it's common in the criminal law to hold criminals responsible for their unintended consequences of their criminal acts. And that's if — in your hypothetical, it wouldn't be unusual at all to hold someone liable for the accidental discharge when they've taken the loaded weapon to commit a violent crime, here a bank robbery, and that — handled it in such a way that it goes off. It's completely reasonable for Connors to conclude —
0: You get three extra years for having bad luck.
7: Well, no — well, they're — just to be clear, they're both subject to life imprisonment for taking the gun and committing — and using it to commit the bank robbery. So. It's not tacking on three years. It's increasing the minimum. And that is a significant difference, Justice Stevens, that this Court has recognized on, with respect to these various factors in Harris itself, that the um, — whether or not there was a discharge well, — Is this guy likely
0: to get life for a bank robbery? The gun accidentally goes off? I don't know whether it's his first offense or not.
7: As a practical matter, no, Your Honor. However, had the accidental discharge caused a death, then he would have committed a more serious offense, um, and that may have been the penalty. The, the, the point is that one is often subject to higher penalties than one might have expected by the unintended consequences of one's criminal would act. you
5: What would you think, to go back to Justice Stevens' question, I would start with the assumption that normally, not always, where you have a criminal statute and the crime has elements that Congress intends that the elements be carried out with a guilty state of mind. I'd start with that assumption. And i would agree with you that sentencing is different and the reason that it's different is because sentencing often goes up or down depending upon whether the harm that is foreseen does or does not occur irrespective of the state of mind so we couldn't apply that normal background rule in my view
7: i think that's correct your honor and that's our view not
5: having done that i wonder if the background rule should come into play once again where a mandatory minimum sentence is at stake for the reason that if the harm eventuates, there are many ways in which the sentence will go up. If this person had been killed, for example, it becomes a murder in the course of a felony. I mean, there are all kinds of other statutes that can aggravate the felony. And if you don't apply the mandatory minimum, the judge still can give him the higher sentence if he warrants it. But if you apply the mandatory minimum where the judge wouldn't go up, the only impact that has is to take people who the judge and others think fall into the minimal category of bad behavior plus consequences and force them to have a higher sentence. Now, that would be a rationale for a rule of lenity in mandatory minimum sentencing matters,
7: but that would be a reconceptualization of the rule of lenity. Yes, Mrs. it would. Breyer. It would. And one, it would be a peculiar. I mean, as you said, for this court, in in Muscarello, the rule of lenity has never been a rule that, where the defendant always prevails, and it would be an odd notion to have a m- more muscular rule of lenity in the sentencing enhancement context than you have with respect to the crime itself. Um, the, the whole point of having the mandatory minimum is to take away discretion from judges. What, and the language of the statute here, in our view, is clear. It says, if the firearm is discharged, and I think that it's the present tense that gets you the, the, the temporal connection to the crime here. If it is discharged, while you are using or carrying it or possessing it, in the offense in the principal paragraph, Congress wanted you to have 10 years.
5: No, I can't, I can't, the trouble with, I can't find anything in the history of this that really says why they use is discharge or used it as opposed to discharges. And I, I find those very metaphysical, those arguments, unless I, I can see a, either something in the history or some functional consideration.
7: Well, in, in the Blue Brief, they lay out the House's final version, and we have the House's final version in one of our footnotes, and then they lay out the Senate's final version. And one important distinction, Justice Breyer, between those two versions is that the House's version would have made it active voice, but not only active, but it would have been amenable to the argument that during a relation to modifies discharges because the structure was different. But the House would have set the penalty for a discharge at 20 years. Okay. That's, you can infer from that, that the House thought an intentional discharge should subject you to 20 years. The Senate's version, which put it in the passive voice, said if the firearm is discharged, and set a mandatory minimum of 10 years. And I think you can infer from that, Justice Breyer, and it's this, the, the, the current structure allows what you're positing, which is more culpable defendants who intend to discharge the firearm to receive a higher sentence. And one could infer, I think, that the House thinks that should be 20 years. So I think the, the current structure does allow. Judges to take into consideration it just sets the floor, and Congress is entitled to do that and I think they have clearly done that and then to take out of the realm of debate whether or not the defendant intended to discharge the firearm or didn't mean to discharge the firearm. Uh, I would like to to say one factual point, which is in the in the indictment um, petitioner actually was charged with User carry in justice seems If I could explain, the user carry during in relation to is one prong, one way in which to commit the principal offense. Possessing in furtherance is another way to commit the principal offense. The user carry is not modified by in possession furtherance of, and possess is not modified by during in relation to, which is another reason it makes no sense to, to trail the during in relation to down to the generally applicable sentencing factors. Is
2: there a difference, a practical difference between the two formulations?
7: It, I, the legislative — well, the words are obviously different. The text is different. And the legislative history suggests that Congress wanted a beefed-up in relation to requirement for possession in order to make sure that um, incidental possession during — you know, incidental possession, while one was also committing a crime, wasn't uh, captured. So the in-furtherance of
6: What you're saying, to make sure I understand, is that the — in relation to language um, modifies both use and possession?
7: No, sir. The in relation to, the during in relation to modifier modifies only user carry. And if one is charged with a user carry offense, then the government must show that you used or carried during in relation to in the ways those words have been given meaning by this court. If you're charged with possession, the government must show that you possess the firearm in furtherance of. Now, the, the, the in furtherance of and the in relation to prong have been given similar meanings by the courts. Although generally it's thought that the inference of, like I say, is sort of beefed up in relation to
5: requirement, it requires a little. Carries. More. What about carries? Is the uh, if a person is carrying a gun in his pocket and he doesn't know it, which could happen, uh, does that fall within carries or not?
7: He would be carrying, Justice Breyer. So
5: is he guilty in the first? Do we know.
7: I, he, would be car- if I can just, he would be carrying, and if he was also committing crime, he would be car- carrying. If he was also committing crime of violence, he would be carrying it during the crime of violence. Yes. But under this court's decision in Smith, Smith, if it were um, carrying
5: has to be, although the statute doesn't say it. Smith says the carrying has to be in relation to the crime.
7: The statute does say carrying has to be in relation.
5: It does, to Does I thought it yes. said who, in furtherance of any such crime, possesses a firearm.
7: I'm sorry, I thought you were asking me a carry hypothetical. If you were asking no, me a possession no,
5: hypothetical. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a carrying. The, okay. The, the, my, mine here says the per, if whoever, blah, 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 for which the person may be prosecuted, uses or carries a firearm. Or who, in furtherance of any such crime, possesses a firearm. So I thought that the in furtherance does not modify carry. It, it doesn't. You're okay. right. Okay. So, so right, I'm now what something? happens if the person has the firearm, he's carrying the firearm in his pocket and doesn't know it. He picked it up from the tailor, <laughs> and uh, uh, now is is there an intent requirement there? Do we know? Did Smith talk about that? Do we know? Uh, the, I mean, is there you know a state of mind requirement?
7: It's hard to see how one could meet the, this court's definition in Smith.
5: S- so I look at for,
7: for in relation to. Which was to have a. Smith says in
5: relation to, and so the carrying has to be in relation to. And since the carrying has to be in relation to, that pretty much uh, uh, covers the state of mind.
7: The carry has to be in relation to the underlying drug crime or crime of violence. This court gave content to in relation to in Smith to mean have some purpose or effect, facilitate or further the underlying crime, not be by accident or coincidence. Uh, The gist of petitioner's argument here is they want to read that accident or coincidence language down to modified discharge. And structurally, that, that just doesn't work. And if, if I can make one more point about why it's clear it isn't that, which is that the, the in possession and furtherance of uh, requirement, ha- I mean, one of the things they say in response to our argument is that we are willing to put a temporal limitation on the sentencing factors but not a in relation to. May I
6: just be sure I understand your position? During in relation to modifies the first words that follow. In furtherance to modifies possession. Now, do either in relation to or in furtherance to modify the three subsequent subparagraphs?
7: Definitely not. No.
6: So neither of them applies to. So it doesn't have to be in furtherance of or in relation to.
7: The, the sentencing factors are set out separately, and And you don't get to them. none
6: of the sentencing factors require that that factor be in either in relation to the crime or in furtherance of the crime. It could be you're just walking down the street, you happen to have a gun. Well, you have to be guilty of the principal offense, Justice Stevens, before you get to the sentencing factors. So you have to have either. The sentencing factor need not be in relation to the crime nor in furtherance of the crime.
7: Right. The,
3: the it has sentencing to the
7: crime, has said, to be no? during, and but the but it's not because the word during appears in the principal offense, which is how they would have our argument be. The the it has to, the sentencing factor has to occur first. You have to commit the principal offense. You have to p- commit the principal offense. So you've used our. Why theory. does
6: it have to be during? <laughs> if It doesn't in the statute.
7: It has to be during for three reasons. One, the 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 language of the sentencing factor says if the firearm is discharged, it's in the present tense. So the present tense of the is-discharge language, it has to be while you're at using, carrying, uses, carries, or possesses is also in the active. The is-discharge has to happen while you're using, carrying, or possessing. That takes out hypotheticals about, well, it was discharged at the factory before I bought it, and law enforcement discharged it well after they took it from me to test the ballistics on it. Those aren't covered because it's not dis- is discharged while you're using, carrying, or possessing. Secondly, this court in Harris recognized that these are the types of sentencing factors that one considers when deciding whether a certain fact is present in the manner in which an offense is committed. So the fact has to be present in the Commission of Offense. That's just the way this type of sentencing factor operates, and the Court so interpreted these particular sentencing factors in Harris. And we know that it's not because of the during in the principal paragraph, Justice Stevens, because there is no during element to the possession prong. Nevertheless, the sentencing factors apply to that prong, yes, and we would apply an, temporal limitations to them.
6: there's, there's an infurtherance requirement.
7: Yes, Your Honor. And if you've possessed a fact — to make sure I
6: understand. Okay. You're saying it need not be during or well, — you said it has to be during, but not because the
7: statute includes the word during. Yes. But what, what then — where does the during come from, then? The during comes from the fact that the sentencing factor is in the present tense and says is discharged. That means that the is-discharge must occur while the offense is, is, is occurring. So the temporal limitation comes from, and just from the nature of these types of sentencing factors, which ask, is this fact present? That's what Congress cared about.
3: And is- you say it can't come from the prologue, because if it came from the prologue, it wouldn't apply to the mere possession. Exactly. And the possession could be... At any time, before the crime, after the crime, whatever.
7: It would just have to be possession that was in furtherance of an underlying crime. Once you're guilty of that, if the firearm was discharged while you were guilty of it. so you have
3: to import some some uh, contemporaneous requirement into the one, two, and three.
7: Some temporal limitation, and the limitation is, what? is that it must be discharged while you're committing the offense for which you are being sentenced when we're looking at sentencing factors, which is the offense set forth in Section 924C. Well, what
6: if it's committed when, when the guy's trying to escape and the gun goes off uh, accidentally? Is that in for — I mean, is that during the crime?
7: Again, it would turn on, on — on, it wouldn't turn on whether accidental or intentional discharge, Justice Stevens. That would be present a difficult hypothetical about whether or not the 924C defense was
6: Two hours later, when, he's, when he got home, it, it, he carried the gun uh, uh, in furtherance of the crime. He still had it with him all the way to, through, and the gun went off after he left the bank.
7: If, if it were determined that the 924 c offense, which is the possession and furtherance of crime, were still going on at that point, in other words, he was still possessing it in furtherance of the underlying crime of violence, and it discharges, then, yes, the sentencing factor by its plain terms applies. But
6: then you're telling me that it, that it need not be during as long as it's in furtherance of. So the in furtherance of is also incorporated implicitly in the sentencing factors
7: well the no the inference of is it, it would because the inquiry you would be making at sentencing justice stevens is not was the discharge in furtherance, in furtherance of you would you all you would be asking is were you still possessing the firearm in furtherance the discharge furtherance? must be during the discharge must be temporally related to the principal offense yes because the discharge is is discharged while you're in the course of the principal offense. That's the way these types of sentencing
5: factors are. I think I got everybody mixed up because the first sentence of the statute's on the preceding page. And if I started at the beginning, I would discover of my memo. If, it says, if, in relate who, any person who, during and in relation, during and in relation to any crime of violence or drug trafficking crime, blah, 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 of a certain kind, Uses or carries a firearm, right? So there it is. So the during and right rela- or who, in furtherance of such a crime, possesses shall be sentenced. Okay. So we've got the during and in relation to covering the whole bunch. Then we have to read that into little two and little three.
7: No, no, no Your Honor. I mean, just just to make sure I understand what you're saying, the during in relation to only modifies the verbs uses or carries. There yes, exactly. St- okay. There are and two steps. Then we have to read mind. that
5: by implication. Where it says if the firearm is brandished during or in, you have to imply that's
7: it. their argument.
5: Yeah, that's not your argument. No, Your Honor. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it.
3: It's not your argument because if that was the only, if that was the source of the contemporaneous requirement, there would be no contemporaneous requirement for the infurtherance.
7: That's right, the and provision also provision
3: in furtherance provision. But, the reason we don't that?
7: believe that's the correct reading is because, as this court indicated in Harris, the principal offense, the principal paragraph sets forth the complete crime, and then it ends with shall. So once you do the things in the principal crime, you're guilty, and then the only question is what shall your sentence be?
3: And of course, some of these difficult hypotheticals, such as the one that Justice Stevens put about the, uh, the gun going off while the uh, while the individual is escaping. That's going to be a problem whether you adopt your interpretation or, or the, uh, uh, the petitioner's interpretation. Uh, even if you assume that it has to be during and in relation to, it's still going to be a problem. Is this, is this during and in in relation to the crime? Well, I mean, just If it occurs, you know, uh, five hours later while he's escaping, I don't know.
7: Well, just to be clear, we well, have it, to decide that it wouldn't have anything to do with whether or not it intentionally went off, Justice Stevens. Your hypothetical could still uh, raise a question. Of course,
6: the, the strange thing about this case is we're talking about a category of crimes in which somebody mistakenly fires the gun. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> the whole the whole, uh, whole dispute is about a, really a trivial set of crimes.
7: Well, I think it's important to recognize, though, that Congress didn't want to open the door to claims that that. The firearm was discharged accidentally. Before the
6: defendant gets upset, I didn't really mean to shoot the guy.
7: (laughs) Right. I mean, the the fact of a discharge is what Congress was clearly concerned about, and we can tell that from the text. What I did want to say is that in the indictment here, he was actually charged with uses, carries, and possesses. Um, The indictment is not perfectly worded. It only has the during in relation to in it, uh, but — the 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 instructions were proper and there were no the jury instructions at the end of trial were proper and there were no uh no objection to the instructions but i did want to correct one point about that and if there are no further questions
0: thank you counsel uh four minutes mr forster
1: This Court in U.S. Gypsum was very clear when it said that far more than the simple omission of the appropriate phrase of a statutory definition is necessary to justify dispensing with the intent requirement. And our argument is simply this. Merely because this might be a sentencing enhancement rather than an element of the offense, this Court has never said that the normal rules of statutory construction cease to apply under those circumstances which means that the mens rea presumption is appropriate in this case. And just like this Court said in the, qu- in the passage I just cited, if Congress wants to dispense with that requirement, they must do so clearly. And they simply did not do that in this case. If they wanted to do that, they could insert the words intentionally or unintentionally discharge, in which case that would be clear. And that simply is not the way this statute reads. The best reading of the statute, I believe, and this is what Your Honor was headed toward, is to read the discharge to require during and in relation to. I just think that's the best way. Is to that
5: helpful? I mean, this did take place during, and you would have thought when something goes off accidentally, it's in relation to. I mean, you know, I, I could imagine an argument to the contrary, but it isn't obvious.
1: But, Your Honor, when it's, it's
5: just as it, — they, they, they have during, in relation to, and in furtherance of, so they're — uh, in furtherance of doesn't carry over the first to do an accidental discharge, is it not in relation to the crime?
1: Not under this court's authority in Smith, no, Your Honor. because. I think Smith is clear. Smith it has to have purpose and effect and not be used by accident. What was
6: the case you cited when you started your rebuttal? U.S.
1: Gypsum. Is
6: that the GYPSA? Is that the antitrust case? i just,
1: you caught me by surprise. I believe it is. I I believe it is, Your Honor. Mr. Chief Justice, if there are no other questions, I thank the Court.
4: Thank you, Counsel. The case is submitted.